My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In this episode, we talk with Sarah McDowell, SEO specialist at LikeMind Media and co-host of the SEO SAS podcast, a podcast that delves into individual SEO issues each week. We discuss how she went from a background in dance to a digital marketing role focused on link building and then eventually into a career in SEO, her experiences going between agencies and in-house roles, founding her own business and eventually shutting it down, the challenges and psychology of getting stuff implemented, and much, much more. In addition, we cover and share our perspective on the recent SEO kerfuffle around the subject of hiring for SEO and interview questions, which stems from a tweet put out by Bill Hartzer, which caused a few side eyes in the industry. And to round out this episode, we deep dive into what went into founding her podcast and we share our experiences on what it's like to run an SEO podcast, as well as some of the behind the scenes work that goes into making a podcast come to life. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Sarah's SEO story and have another great roundtable discussion. Hey, everybody, this is Jacob Stoops, and we are here for another episode of the Page 2 podcast. Uh, hi, Jeff. How's it going? It's going well. How are you doing? That's, that's I feel like, our bit, Jeff. You've got you've to come. Like, i got to come stronger? You get, well, no, you're, you, you come the same way every week, and I feel like you've got to like, <laughs> keep me on my toes uh, in terms of I'm not very good at figuring out a great way to introduce <laughs> introduce you. Maybe I'll that's just right. let you do the introductions and you introduce me. Right, maybe I'll just I'll come up with my own recorded drop and it'll be like a mega like coming soon. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and we also have as a guest from across the pond, Sarah McDowell, SEO specialist at Like Mind Media. And you might better know her as uh, the host of the SEO SAS podcast. How's it going, Sarah? I am thrilled to be on your podcast. So things are going really well for me. How about you guys? Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. It's getting, uh, as my kids are reminding me, we're about two weeks away from, uh, from Christmas and Christmas time and holiday time in agency world is, it's crazy, man. It's, it's, so, it's been crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Then it just dies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and everybody goes on PTO. Uh, see, for me, it's squeezing the same amount of work that needs to be done, but in less time. So obviously, instead yeah. of a month, I've only really got two and a half weeks to still do all the jobs that I need to. So it's a bit of a headache, but yeah. Yeah, it's the life we live. Um, it's nice to have another podcaster uh, on with us. Ah, likewise, it's nice to talk to a fellow podcaster or podcasters. Uh, before we jumped on, that this was the first podcast where you've actually been a guest. Yes, so please be kind and please be gentle with me. <laughs> ah, that's what the that's what the last people said. I'm wondering if we're uh, getting a, a reputation. That's funny. <laughs> Oh, no, because I've been listening to your podcasts and yeah, I've just got, um, it's a good one. So I want like me as a guest, I want to do well. So uh, yes, but awesome. it's my first time. Um, but after today, we have been invited to be on another one sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, it's weird to not have control of the podcast. <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're a, if you're a, con uh, and I'm not saying you're a control freak, but if you are a control freak, this is probably really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> a bit uncomfortable no I'm, fi I'm fine really I'm fine so I especially with um with your podcast obviously I I feel like the the way that we've booked guests um has been very very organic uh in terms of like there are people that are known I, I feel like commodities and have been for some time in the industry. And, and um, when I sat down about a year ago and tried to figure out, okay, like, what do I want to do with the podcast? Who do I want on? Um, and, and even this year, there are definitely names that 
I feel like they come up in all the conferences. Like the you you know them. You can you could almost like put mug shots or whatever whatever. And um, but one of the other <laughs> things that has happened that I've noticed and why I say it's very organic and not really um, I don't really think the way that we book guests is stale is if you're if you're following SEO on the um, on the Twitter I feel like especially recently there have been a lot of newer people that have come across my feed that I have found um, very interesting and when I find that to be the case I say hmm I think I want to talk to them, um, and you happen to be to be one of those people that I, I would say is a, a little bit. And I don't know how long you've been doing this. We'll get into into that. But as far as it relates to me noticing your presence on Twitter, um, I would say that's been more more recent. And especially because you're a fellow podcaster, I was like, I really think it would be great uh, to to have you on. So that's that's why you're here and you were gracious enough to, to say yes and to, um, to come on. And I think we're really interested to hear your story. Okay. So, um, how do I start? That's the question. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I, I sort of fell into SEO to be, to be completely honest. So I, sorry. As does everybody. <laughs> well, I've actually, I got a degree in dancing and realized that uh, it was far too competitive and the best, I was better at African um, than any other principal and then I couldn't make a living. So I was like, right, what can I do? And I basically applied for a, a reception role at a SEO company. That role had been filled, but they wanted to grow their link building team. So that's where I started. Um, and that was um, 2000. 12 I believe um so how many years ago is that is that like six or seven I'm not very good with math <laughs> last time I checked that was seven <laughs> um so so yes and I, I was working in that agency for a good few years and I learned everything on the job so I started from the bottom sort of link building um and then I did content and content outreach and I just um I was there for about four years and I grew in the company sort of thing um and then after I've been there for about four years I then went to work in-house because I was like okay so I've got agency I want to know what it's like to work in-house and how different that is because obviously with agency you've got the sort of um, different companies that you're working for different industries different challenges so I was like okay I wonder if it's less of a headache if it's just internal um, so yes so I did that for a bit and then um, I did that for a couple of companies and then I finally so um, I did have my own um, sort of marketing digital marketing agency for a bit and I got lonely to be completely honest um, and Paul my boss I sort of knew like he was a friend and he was like oh why don't you just join like mind media um, which is where I work now um, and he brought me in so um, whenever he hires someone he wants to hire someone that has a specialism in, in some sort so obviously I came in with my SEO um, and I sort of um, went with him like oh I've got an idea to do a podcast um, I mean I don't know if I'm like jumping a, a bit of ahead of myself but um, shall I go in and talk about how the yeah. podcast came about is that does that make sense Let's let's leave that to the to the end because I have okay. a lot of questions questions for you and I and I definitely want to deep dive on the on the podcast um, towards the end of the episode so let's 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 wait on that one we'll get back to it and let's keep talking about you outside of the podcast okay well me as an individual in the SEO world exactly okay well um, yes so I basically um, so. Like I said, I fell into it. I just love it because, um, I mean, this is the, the cliche, but we all know that Google is changing. Um, like what worked five, ten years ago doesn't work now. And I, I can get quite bored as a person. I'm a bit flaky, um, friends reference there. Um, so that so SEO kind of suits me because it's always changing um, and you've got to sort of be ahead of your game, haven't you? You've always got to um, be reading what's, what's what, going to industry events and stuff. Um, and day-to-day -day activities, well, it's like um, every day, 
So how I sort of work with my clients or how clients come on board is like, oh, I've got an issue with something and they reach out and then they say, oh, what, why is this? Can you help me? So then it's finding what the reasons why basically behind, if, that, if I'm making sense. Um, so I like the sort of diagnostic and putting my sort of um, investigator's hat on um, and also just trying stuff and um, like trialing, trialing things on a client's website and seeing if it works. If it doesn't work, then we're always transparent and say why and we'll try something new. Um, but at the same time, it's great when you try something and it does work and they get an increase in traffic or they get an increase in rankings or uh, the type of traffic is better for conversion sort of thing. So I have to ask, you've been in what I call agency world three times, but you also dabbled in-house. Which, which do you like better and why? Oh, right. I'm going to say agency. Just because um, with agency, you get to work with lots of different industries and with different industries comes like different sort of challenges and problems. Um, so when I was working in-house, yes, you get really good and you can niche in an industry. However, um, so when I was working for in-house, it was for a solicitor's firm. Um, however, I prefer more agency because it's more varied and you get to try new things out. Um, and especially when it comes to SEO, um, there's things that I can dabble and try as agency. Whereas if I'm just stuck in-house working on one service, for example, um, I don't get to try new things as much. Yeah, I feel sometimes, so I've always worked in agencies and never worked in-house. And sometimes I do, I feel like I hit a limit on the agency side where, you know, I'm, I'm giving recommendations to my client who either has a development team or has hired a separate development team. And sometimes they have different priorities, right? So no, I don't, I'm always the outside person looking in at a lot of my companies that I'm working for, where I feel like if I went in-house, I could be in there badgering them every day to get my yeah. stuff installed. But then once it's implemented, you're right. I think after a while, you're just like, after working on the same site, and I think this is why I've always stayed at agencies because like I have a team and I can, you know, a lot of in-house people, you're one person <clears throat> and you know, you have a team. We, we actually get to definitely work on different things all the times and, and clients really like to mess up their sites a lot. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're there to, that we're always there to be able to help. And, and I feel like I, I get a lot more, I get exposed to a lot more um, being at the agency level, but sometimes I don't feel like I get as deep as I want to get um, where you could probably get in-house, but I think yes, that's the, the yeah. cost between it. Yeah, I, that's a really good point, actually. So obviously, if you are in-house, then you've got sort of one focus and you can spend more time. Because um, the, the one thing with agency um, is you've only got a finite amount of time and we could all exactly. do with one more day. And also, it's sort of juggling what the client sees as a priority and what really is a priority. Um, so I have conversations with clients quite a lot of time where they deem something more important than something else that I want to work on. And it's the challenge of sort of proving, okay, what you want to work on is important. However, um, like for example, when, when the medic update, that was quite a while ago now, uh, it's the first update that I could think of the top of my head. Um, there was quite, quite a few of my clients where they needed to, um, especially the clients that were working in like giving money advice, medical advice, there was work to be done there on um, sort of on their about page and on the team page and getting the expertise across. And that's what I wanted to work on, whereas they wanted to work on other things like the fluffier stuff that look good. Do you know what I mean? And that's the challenge really, isn't it? Is managing clients' expectations and getting the point across that this is what needs to be worked on and this is why. I, I always feel like, well, I've, I've said it like many, many, many times. The hardest part of SEO is implementation. And I, I believe that that occurs whether you're in-house or whether you're at an agency. Um, I think the benefit of going in-house and like sometimes when I'm at an agency, because I've, I've jumped back and forth a couple of times, you're, 
you're sometimes always yearning a little bit for like the grass is grass is greener. And sometimes when I'm, when, you know, when, when you're getting bombarded with a bunch of different industries, a bunch of different clients, sometimes crazy work hours, you're always like, Oh man, I wish I could just for once focus on one site for a finite amount of time and see it through. But then when I get there, I realized just like Jeff said, I'm the only one on my team. And at a certain point, like, especially if you're having difficulty getting things implemented, it gets quite boring. So I've found over the years that I just, for in uh, again, in-house SEOs are, are awesome. But I've found for me, um, the agency side uh, tends to work a little bit more. But what I was getting to is the idea that sometimes implementation is really hard and it becomes an exercise in psychology. And what I mean by that is how can I convince this third party to do what they, what I need them to do in order to make myself, my agency, their site um, successful. And sometimes you really have to think about psychologically, what can you say to them to make them, or what can you show them to make them want to change their minds, which can be difficult because people don't like change and there's often egos involved in different priorities and and um, that's part of the fun uh, especially on in quote unquote agency world being kind of on the outside uh, looking in making the case to get your stuff implemented because you do have a short uh, time window it's one of the greatest challenges we all face um it does i, I don't know if you guys um watch strict strictly come dancing or you know the uk strictly um but there was a judge on there she's not a judge anymore but um darcy bustle so the um ballerina and but this will be relevant i i promise <laughs> um but when she was giving feedback to um dancers she'd always give the darcy bustle shit sandwich um so where you sort of uh so you start with the positive then you go with the negative and then you go with the positive again and I sort of that's how I sort of approach clients and stuff so say for example a client has just um they've got a new website and then they've come to you to SEO it yeah um and that and that's what they actually say oh can you just SEO this site and it's like okay yeah I've got issues with you to say that but hey hey we'll we'll get over that um but yeah but it's sort of say, and you realize that the site isn't technically sound for SEO and that's where the shit sandwich comes in. So I always try and find a positive to say. So if I can find something about user experience or page speed, for example, I'll start with that. And then I'll say, however, this is not so good because this is the reasons why, and this is the opportunities. Um, and yeah, and then I'll end on a high as well. So there you go. The Darcy Bustle shit sandwich. So, I actually know more about dancing than you might think. So <laughs> I'm not a dancer. I'm a terrible dancer. My wife grew up as uh, as a dancer. And why that's relevant now is because you mentioned like one of the only dance shows that she probably doesn't watch. Uh, but she watches literally every dance reality TV show. Well, I'm, I'm sure that there are more than this. But like we have watched Dancing with the Stars like every season since we've been together, which is going on like over a decade now. And um, also, So You Think You Can Dance. So I'm pretty well versed in dance reality shows. And I'm actually surprised that I did not know that one. Strictly. I mean, yes. I mean, it's the UK one. I mean, it's coming to an end now, um, but that's been on everyone's, well, that's what me and my girlfriend watch. (laughs) What is your uh, favorite type of dance? Oh, um, well, I've not danced in a very long time, but when I was at university studying it, I um, preferred African people's dance. So my course was dance and culture. So you got to do five different principles. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did African katak, which is a Indian style of dancing, ballet. I was rubbish at ballet because it was just too like, strict didn't get on with that, uh, contemporary and choreography. So African people's dance was the, the form that I enjoyed the most. So I would say, I think contemporary is the one that always, and, and I, my wife is a major crier and I'm like, I would say I'm a minor crier. Like I, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I get uh, a little bit emotional and I feel like contemporary always kind of brings that, brings that out. Uh, but then I would say in terms of like just 
really cool to watch. Um, I think it's called Pop Pop Locking. Uh, okay. Or, no, yeah. I can't remember the the name. Um, well, we're talking like street, so yeah, like street dance. locking, like quick robotic movements. Uh, I, I always find that uh, fascinating, fascinating <laughs> to watch. <laughs> Jeff, can you pop yeah. lock? Um, I could do the robot, like stuff like, like oh, that. Beautiful, okay. beautiful moves. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am uh, not a good dancer whatsoever. Um, I do like to dance to embarrass my kids. That's um, a good dance. That's a good yeah. dance to have in your repertoire. Fun, exactly. Fun, fun fact, and the the only other dance thing that I'm that I'm going to talk about. If you search YouTube for Jake and Gina wedding dance, oh, I'm all over <laughs> that. We actually did a choreographed dance at our wedding with um, something like 18 total bridesmaids and groomsmen. Flipping out. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I'll be checking that out straight after this podcast. Yes. I'm gonna check it out right now while we're on it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Multitasking it, it's fine. <laughs> it's fun. Cool. Jeff. Awesome. Ask some questions, man. <laughs> no, I, I don't know much about dancing, but <laughs> um Ah, no, I mean, I, I'm i kind of been going through some of these news things and, and wanted to think we should jump into one of those or. Hold, hold on. I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask about link building and what it's like, because we've had, I feel like um, a lot of the people that we have on tend to lean technical um, more so than more so than anything. And we've had a few that have come on from the content and link building side of the house and as somebody that's been doing that for a long time i guess i would ask you sarah what's what is that like and how do you feel like that has shaped your perspective on the available i would say the available options to you as an seo because i feel like there are some people that just don't do link building because they either think it's bad or risky or just not something they're comfortable doing so like how is I'm that one of them Oh really? Well, I mean, so obviously, um, when I when I first got into SEO, um, and I was doing link building, I am going to put my hands up and say that I did. Um, I mean, I don't do it anymore, but I did tend to do more of the the bad sort of well not the bad but like the you know the more spammy ways of like on a forum and you get like a link in somehow or you just go on directories um and you know like back in the day sort of link building that worked whereas now um google has sort of Google is prioritizing sort of quality and value of the link and relevancy as well um so I have found, so obviously, because of that, link building nowadays, it takes a lot more time and a lot more effort needs to um, go into it, but you do get rewarded and link links are always going to be the bread and butter because that's, you hear that a lot, don't you? Like, oh, you don't need to link build anymore. Uh, that's not SEO. You don't need, to. but you still do. It's still going to be one of those fundamentals. It's still going to be one of the things that Google looks at. Um, and there's different ways that you can go about link building. Um, so, for example, one way that I will always do is I always do competitor research at first. So using tools to find out where, um, where, where competitors have got links and seeing where I can, um, where I like opportunities for my clients. Um, I'll also think of content. So obviously um, creating high value content that's shareable. Um, so not just like a boring, um, boring stuff, but think that like, content that's actually going to make someone stop and read and think okay this is going to help me so I don't know you doing original research or doing something like that's emotional so whether it's funny if it's um makes you cry sort of thing um and so obviously when you've put your time aside to put together this content it's then reaching out um to then get people to link to it also there's another way so say you're doing an expert piece and you could invite 
um, seven experts in your industry uh, to contribute to a piece. You then outreach to them and let them know because they'll link back to you sort of thing. Um, I mean, I do think there is a tendency that some companies will think, oh, if I make content that is really valuable and really good, links will just come to me. Whereas as, as idealistic as, as that is, you do need some work and you do need to put it in front of people and tell people about it. Um, but yeah, so, um, but you could also do something that's a bit PR. Um, so Brighton SEO, um, there was a talk by Oliver Brett, who works at Screaming Frog. Um, and he was like showing how you can sort of use fake news now i know fake news sort of gets a bit of a bad rep but there is times where you can where fake news is okay so for example um like i don't know um there was a football game um a championship game or something um and it was say it was England versus France. It was this T-shirt that would have the England flag. But then when you were around people from France and France supporters, it would turn into a French flag. Um, and they put this product on the website. And obviously, it wasn't a real product. It was just something fun. Um, and yeah, they got that into the news and people wanted to link build to it um another good example that i've seen um so carrie rose who um heads up an agency link building agency and who has been a guest on our show um so there's game in the uk and they came up together they came up with a Chris, christmas dinner so it was a christmas dinner all in a can for gamers um and they i optimized the site for that um, and did a vegan and veggie verge, version and then reached out to um, the uh, PR and newspapers and stuff like that, uh, like the drum or lad Bible. And again, they, so I don't know, I feel like I'm blabbing, <laughs> but I don't know if that's given some insight there. Yeah. I, I think the key is in today's world, like the, the easy stuff, it just doesn't, work it's the stuff that you have that that's hard and link building should be hard um in in the in any links that you're building should be hard one and you should have to be creative and i think um those tend to be the ones that at least google says that they value more so than the ones that are a little bit more artificial uh in yeah. spammy but one thing i wanted to say is when people talk about link building, a lot of folks really think about it from an external uh, standpoint in terms of a third-party site linking to your website. And when I, I think about link building, I think one of the most underrated aspects of link building is internal link building. Yes. Internal link building, right? Um, a lot yeah. of times I'm dealing with a, a situation right now where we've got, um, on one of my clients, uh, we went from not having a lot of pages that talked about their product to over the course of this year, building those out. The problem it exists is exists is that they talk about their product um, on their, on their blog quite a lot, but because these product pages are so new, they don't have a lot of links within the site. Right. So like our yeah. next step is okay. Let's take this, these thousand or so blog pages because you're not, putting um, these product links in your navigation yet. So they're not site wide. Well, let's increase the importance by looking at any time you're mentioning the product in your blog post, but it's not linked. And you can pretty easily um, use Screaming Frogs, uh, not custom interaction, but search feature to go and look for any instances of where you're mentioning a specific word or phrase across your website. And boom, those are unlinked mentions within your own yeah. website. Easy. And there's, um, oh, sorry. I was going to say, there's actually WordPress plugins that would actually, if you use WordPress as your blog, that would, you would automatically just say, yeah. these are the terms, link here. And at any time a blog post was written, um, yeah. it would do that. And Zappos actually used to do that internally when uh, with product reviews. Um, anytime, if you would say like, these Nike sneakers are awesome, and they would just highlight Nike automatically in a review, like as a reviewer, I'm not linking to that page. Um, I think they recently stopped doing that. Probably a little spammy, but uh, but it was internal. So there was one of those where they weren't linking out. They were just creating internal links that way. So, so I've got... Oh, go ahead, Sarah. 
No, I was just going to say, I think um, a lot of businesses miss, miss a big opportunity with their homepage with internal linking, um, okay. especially like seasonal um, opportunities. So if you've got a Christmas promotion or Christmas uh, products that are for the Christmas season, for example, or that's all the way year round, or maybe um, you've put together this really good bit of content that um, is adding value. It's got research, it's got experts, and people just forget to use the homepage to link to it because um so hannah co-host of the seo sas podcast came up with a really nice analogy so when you're thinking of like internal linking you got to think of the home page as the trunk so that's the core and that's the structure um, then you've got the branches the first lots of branches and that's sort of like your first um sub pages that are coming off that and then you've got um your leaves as well which are your child pages and i thought that was a nice way to think of how like how you site and the sort of um, how you can use it sort of thing. Yeah. And, and uh, it, that actually, as you were saying, that reminded me of some of the newer visualization tools that some of the crawlers have come out with. And I've never thought of it as like an actual tree, but mm. now I'm going to start thinking about it that way. That way. Yeah. It just makes sense because like your home, I think people forget. And I mean, this is a bugbear of mine is when people don't, they're like, oh, we don't need much text on the homepage. Let's just have like pretty pictures. And it's just like, no, that is just a missed opportunity there. And yeah, so, I mean. Most powerful page, people. Powerful page. What people can't see is me shaking, uh, (laughs) uh, not actually shaking myself, but shaking a, a fake client yeah. and one more one more point on this is some people um i did have a conversation with a client where they were just like they didn't they were worried that um their home page was going to be too long like scrolling wise and it was like that is the that's the wrong point here like it wasn't even that long at all but yeah right. anyway. <laughs> it, was, it was funny uh jake i sent a website that had like this gigantic like looked like an html site map at the bottom of their homepage. Um, with like every link to their whole site. Um, I just went to go pull it up to, to kind of talk about it and it seemed like they removed that. It might've been just for the holidays they put that in there. So um, it was a company off of that Amazon owned called Eastane. I, I like to go in Amazon's footer and look at all the companies. They list every company they kind of own or work with at the bottom. And it was one, I was like, I never heard of this one. And I clicked in it and it, it literally was a hero image and then like an HTML site map underneath it for every single like category product page that they had, um, which I kind of liked because it got me through the site as quick as I could. <laughs> um, so from a navigational point of view. It, you, and I think that's probably why they did it. So it was interesting. It's not there now. So. <laughs> Jeff, I, I, I've got one more question because I know you're chomping at the bit to get to the news and I know that I also have a rant. So I want to get to that. Um, but Sarah, you mentioned you were, you were at an agency not at, you created an agency and then you decided not to do it anymore. Like what, what went into, into that? Okay. So basically um, I'm always up for trying something new, which is why I do a podcast. It's how I got into roller derby. Um, so I'm always, if someone says, Oh, Sarah, why don't you try? I, I'm, I'm a trier basically. So it was after a conversation. So when I went at my last, so it was in-house for the solicitors that I mentioned earlier, um, they were mentioning that they were going to get rid of internal marketing and outsource it all. So obviously I had to go and find myself another job. Um, and I, my boss at the time, not the boss now, but he was really, um, it was just quite an inspirational because he he was just like, Sarah, you've got, so I obviously had some connections still um, with the clients from that business because even though, yes, I worked internally for EHL, we also had like another branch um, which offered external marketing services. Um, And I saw, and I had good relationships with the clients um, and my boss at the time was just like, you should try going on your own. When you go on your own, it's not like you have to start from scratch. You've already got, it was about three or four clients to start with. Um, And when I approached them and said, look, um, the company's closing, but I've decided to go on my own. Um, Would you 
if I, if that's the case, would you be happy if I carried on? And everyone was supportive and they were like, yes. Um, so yeah, I did that for a bit and uh, the company made, I, made profit, which I'm told in your first year, not many businesses do. Um, but because it was digital, I didn't really have that many costs, overhead costs. So it was quite lucrative as, a, as the word is. Um, and yeah, and it just got to a point where yes, I was making money and I could pay the bills and I had this flexibility. I just got lonely and I, cause I'm, I like being part of a team and I just felt like I missed having conversations with like, cause obviously I could have conversations online or at like events and stuff, but I miss the like internal conversations where you're all sort of you care about this one thing that you're working towards. And it was, if something bad happened, um, which is part and parcel of owning a business that fell on me. If something good happened, it was like a one person party. Um, and yeah, it just got to a point where I just decided that being a savvy business, businesswoman wasn't for me. Um, and yeah, decided to, but, and I did speak to, so when I was going through that and running my business, I did know my boss now at like my media pool and I was always honest with him. And that's when he was like, well, you can come and work for, for me and you'll still have the flexibility, but you have the support and you'll be working with a team and, and that. So, so yes, um, I can say that I've tried it, but it wasn't for me basically. Yeah, it's, t- it's tough. I mean, even just running a team could be tough, but let alone having to deal with people live people's livelihood and, and things like that. It's, I, it's funny. I always had the, the, in my head, I'm like, Oh, I always want to start a business. And then I get to positions where I need to like, I'm in charge of someone like whether they have a paycheck or not and things like that. And it gets a little scary sometimes. And it's, I realized like, you know, I, I'm really great at solving problems and solving like technical issues on SEO for SEO and things like that. I'm not great at HR. And <laughs> that is the one thing that you really need to be to, to, to run a company, right? It's more, you're, you gotta be a people person. And, and sometimes I just don't have that the empathy in me when the little, I'm just like, is your work done? <laughs> no. And it's like, well, I don't care about anything else. And that's not the right way to do it because um, I, I, I know like I, I need to connect a little bit better with my coworkers, let alone if I was actually the one in charge of everything in there. So it, it I, I totally get wanting to go back and being part of, part of the team and, and things yeah. like that. It's, there's a special breed to be able to run it all. So. And it's, it's like when, um, because when you're in a team, you can, you can stay up to date with stuff that's happening more because you have conversations, don't you? And, or say you want to try something new. I'm always like, I always think it's good to get a second opinion or just run through ideas with someone else or get someone's, get someone's other perspective or other point of view. And I just felt like I didn't really have that when I was on, on my own. Um, I mean, get your small violin out for me. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I'm much better. Um, rather than, yeah, I'm much better being part of a team and having the security of not being my own boss. <laughs> Right. I, I think my part of my issue is I treat everyone equally and I don't think you can when you're in, in uh, equally as in like mean you can do the same amount of work or same everything. And, right. and when you're a CEO, I would expect everyone to be CEO. <laughs> so it's, um, so that's the tough part. Um, one of our, uh, one of our clients, um, they they, one of their things that they say is that they don't have a business hierarchy, which I think is um, quite interesting. So it's like a flat structure. And I think it's um, a trend that businesses are trying. I don't know how it's like over the pond sort of thing. Um, But it's the idea that everyone is the same and naturally you do get leaders, don't you? Um, But the fact is that everyone is sort of treated equally as it were. Um, and yeah, I thought that was really interesting to have as a case we're, to be like. We're in a fairly flat organization, Jake and I, and I mean, it has its pluses and minuses. And, you know, I think where it comes down to um, if everyone is equal, then yeah, you need to have those natural leaders come out to, to be able to, to run things. And um, 
though I think when you're a natural leader at that point, it's like you like to be crowned a leader in a way. And at a flight organization, you're, you're not. So it's, um, I think there are some people who are definitely, we have different titles and different levels, but when it comes to like reporting, we have two major departments with two major department heads and they kind of are in charge of all the, the direct, you know, phrases and promotions and things like that. Everyone else is pretty much equal underneath there, even though there are levels of um, positions, it, it really comes down to like what kind of work you'll be doing. And, yeah. uh, but when it comes down to the HR type of stuff, you are all equal. So how much scratch you're making. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you in flat companies, like don't let anybody fool you. Everybody's not equal. Uh, the CEO yeah. and the upper level people, like they're making the most scratch. All right. They're making the most money. So I've got my, I'm not going to go on a rant here. I've got my problems with flat organizations. I, um, I don't have a problem with search discovery in their, uh, their format. It's much more hierarchical than the last place I came from in which I had a real, real big problem <laughs> yeah. with the level of flatness in the organization and the lack of advancement and uh, money advancement opportunities. So yeah. anyways, yeah, let's get so, into, uh, to the news. Yeah. And it kind of flows right into this, um, you know, kind of HR owning an agency, um, being in charge of hiring. Um, I don't know if everyone's seen, but Bill Hartzer kind of put out a question on Twitter yesterday, basically saying, if I was hiring someone for an SEO position, what questions would I ask them? And then he goes and says, he'll start. And his first question would be, uh, what is the Google Florida update and why was it so significant part of the SEO history? And basically says, if they can answer that, he'll hire them on the spot. Um, and followed by a million responses about how he's old school and a, and a boomer and, and different things in there. But I guess question would have like, it, it, you know, if it's a good question in general, and, and I think we all have different ways of, of hiring and, and, you know, me personally, uh, when it comes to, when I am kind of in charge of hiring uh, and when I've had positions where I was, you know, solely in charge of hiring, I, I'm, a, I'm a very, I'm not going to say bad, but I, and I'm not going to say thorough either, but I make people do presentations. I like to give them a site and say, you know, whether it's your first SEO job or you're coming in as a director, I like to give you a project and basically say, cause I'm going to learn way more than your resume shows me when you sit down and tell me what's wrong with the site. And I'm never saying like, give me a two hour presentation. It's always like 30 minutes. If you were brand new in SEO, maybe it's give me, you know, a presentation on five reasons why content's good. Uh, another one, like if you were coming in more advanced, I will give you a site that I know not, I won't ever use my own clients cause I don't want to seem like I'm trying to get free work, <laughs> but I'll pick a site out there and just say, Hey, here's a website you know, give, give me a quick audit and then present me your findings. And that way I can see your thinking behind everything. Um, so I, I actually, before I even ask questions that I like to have like a presentation, like I'm a client because then I know if I could stick someone in front of a client. Um, but when it comes to questions, like what kind of questions do y'all ask? Oh, is it, is it, is it me first? There you go. We'll go to you first, Sarah. So, um, so, so just confirm the question. So what, so yeah. So if you were, when you were hiring someone, what kind of questions would you ask them? Um, I mean, okay. So I would ask, um, first and foremost, their sort of like experiences, um, and what, what they've done in, in SEO sort of thing and what, 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 what are the challenges that they've found? Just, just talk to them and have a conversation because I think, when you have an honest face-to-face conversation with someone, it's quite obvious straight away whether they know what they're talking about or not and sort of thing. And then I also, um, so depending when the conversation's happened, I might bring up like um, the latest updates that have happened because uh, obviously Google is always updating its algorithm and um, it's constantly changing. And the times where um, an update will be given a name is because it's affected well, this is my understanding though, um, but it's affected enough sites that there's been enough chitter chatter in the industry. Um, and then all of a sudden we've got a name for it sort of thing. So, so I'll have that conversation and see, okay, because if you are passionate about SEO, um, one thing that you're going to be on the lookout for is how it's changing. Do you know what I mean? Um, and, and other things as well. So not just Google's 
um, core algorithm, but other things. So, for example, BERT, um, how how Google can now use BERT to better understand um, users' intent and keywords and stuff like that. So having conversations like that. Um, I'd also ask them sort of their their goals and their aspirations sort of thing and where they want to be and what they want to do. Um, I'd like some proof, like some, I don't know, if they could come to the interview and sort of say, um, this is what I'm really proud of. This is, this is what I did for a client. Um, this was the results and this is why it's so good sort of thing. Because I think if you've got proof of what they've done, um, because there's a lot of people who can talk the talk, isn't there? (laughs) But when it actually comes to doing it, so it'd be good to actually see some proof of that. Um, and I don't know, I maybe check them out a bit before. So, um, like see if they've got like a Twitter profile or a LinkedIn profile or, and just see what sort of, um, if they're getting involved in SEO chitter chatter or, and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> is it off the no. top of my head? No, that's great. I think, um, it's funny. I, I take an approach like that to an extent where I get to try to just know the person. Cause I know if I am working with them, I need to at least like them. So they might have all the answers <laughs> It might be an amazing at that. But if we just don't click, it's not going to be fun yeah. for everybody. Right. And, so and you no, know, don't you straight off whether you're going to click with someone or exactly. not. And but then, you laugh at your jokes. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah, okay. I'm, t- I'm full of bad dad jokes too. So the, the, I thing, love them. the thing about interviews is like, I find it really difficult to assess somebody's quality in a 30 minute interview or even in an hour interview, right? Yeah. You, you often don't know somebody's real true quality in terms of how they're going to perform at work till you've worked with them for quite a while. So the, yeah. for me, the, the, the basis of a, of an interview um, is do they seem to know what they're talking about? Do they click in terms of their, their fit, within both the role uh, as well as where they're going to be working. Um, Are they, and I think this one's really important, are they naturally curious? Do they want to learn more? Um, Do they have ambition? Are they competitive? Do they have drive? Um, Sarah, I I also think is it, it's really important that they show, um, and this is what I find missing from most resumes that I look at, actual tangible examples uh, that prove out results, um, that you've actually driven results because you're right. Um, Some people do talk a big game and then you get them in and you find that they've just got no clue and they're just faking it until they make it, it, right? Um, I will say that this, um, so this tweet from Bill, I don't know if he meant to like set off set off the the twitter swarm uh that that can sometimes uh uh eat its own eat its own young um sometimes you have to watch out for seo twitter man if you say the wrong thing they will they will come after you and and so i i want to be very clear i don't want to be perceived as like coming after bill because he's i've never met him but he seems like a nice guy um, but the question, um, so what is the Google Florida update and why was it such a significant part of SEO history? To me, in 2019, it's like asking a high schooler about a rotary phone, like, and why it's so important to cell phones today. And it's just like, okay, like, yeah. I love history. I'm a huge history buff. And, and I'm, a, I'm a believer that if you don't, if you aren't aware of history, you're not going to recognize it when it is... Um, coming back around in today's age. However, this is not the same thing. This is apples to oranges. And the Google Florida update not only has never played a role um, in in terms of my SEO work, um, I will say that it's kind of like, um, what is it, back to the future with the timeline? So like if Google Florida update doesn't happen, then Google Panda and Google Penguin and all of these other mm. updates never happen, right? So it had to happen and I'm glad it happened. But this thing happened in like the early 2000s before like 95% of the people that work in SEO are were even uh, even thinking about uh, SEO. Um, it, was, it was barely a thing. So like to ask somebody if they remember that is like, 
Well, no, because I was in college or high school. Like, no, no, it's not relevant to how they do their job today. Surely it's better if someone can demonstrate um, like things that are happening now or chitter chatter about what's going to happen in the future. Um, being hung up, and I think it's a bit like traditionalist, isn't it? I suppose, if that's the right word to use. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do think um, some SEOers do get a bit caught up on, um, I don't know, like knowing your stuff. And yeah. I mean, I couldn't sit and tell you like all the updates that have happened. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I do understand that. Um, and I've looked into and researched how Google has and search engines and the internet has evolved. Cause I find that interesting. Um, but getting hung up on putting someone on the spot and being like, tell me what this is right now. Do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it doesn't feel. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing I'll say, and I do want to move into the into um, talking about the podcast, is like it's not a freaking pop quiz, right? We're doing SEO, and for the most part, like very few of my clients have ever been significantly impacted by an algorithm update. And not only that, like my clients, their problems tend to be way, 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 way more basic and way more fundamental than all of this stuff. Uh, especially Google Florida in, in which one, no client has ever asked me about that. And two, I've only ever heard one other SEO outside of maybe SEO Twitter a few times actually mention it to me in an office setting. And he mentioned it to me because he was reminiscing about the old days, <laughs> which That's is, fine. which is fine to do. And that was it. So uh, neither of you are getting hired. I'm just telling you because uh, I expect that suggested that they would walk out of the interview, and I I don't think that I would do that. But no, I mean, I honestly, I think the answer is, hey, there's been a million of them. I'd have to look that one back up. But I mean, I I was in the the business that time, but um, I I'm lucky. I, I haven't. I've gotten hit by a couple algorithm updates, but only a couple over the last you know ten to fifteen years. So. Yeah. Um, and nothing that was, nothing was irreversible. And, you know, it's like a lot of times it's like, Hey, your site's not the quality. Like, I, I mean, don't, I, I didn't even look up Florida, but I can tell you like that it's probably something to do with your site was not great quality or the links pointing at you. seems like that's what every update is about. <laughs> um, so I do, I do have the belief though um, that so for, so every time that Google rolls out a new update or changes the algorithm or does something different, it's all about making bettering the experience for the user. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're doing that with your website and that's your goal, you should be all right with like um, penalties and stuff. Like, don't get me wrong, you people do get hit, and it's completely unintentional because yeah, like it just happens, doesn't it, in the SEA world. But if you're there providing value, your website is accessible, you're not deceiving Google. Do you know what I mean? Like the yeah. key things, if you're always doing those those sort of things, then you should, you should be okay. You should. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a big should, like, but yeah. <laughs> so I do, Sarah, I, t- tell us about your podcast because I, I, I want to make sure we've got about 17 minutes left and I'm going to apologize to the audience. I have a hard stop and that was bad planning on my part. Um, but I want to make sure we talk about the SEO SAS podcast and how. Um, okay. Okay. Well, yes. Um, so the SEO SAS podcast um, sort of came or it was born um, because me and uh, my friend, Hannah, um, I actually worked with her. That's how I know her. Um, but we, it was a couple of years ago and we were at Brighton SEO, um, like the big conference in the UK. And we saw that the SEO sort of, so attendees and speakers at the time tend to be like male orientated. And that seemed to be like, if you looked at the ratio between male speakers and female speakers, male attendees and female attendees, it was more so the males. It was it seemed to be a male dominated industry at the time. Obviously it's getting better and better as time, time's going on. Um, but at, at the same time, we also saw a, a niche for a female led SEO podcast. Um, because we, th- <laughs> cause after, 
after we went to Brighton SEO and we had this conversation and then when I looked into podcasts, I had a conversation with Hannah. I was just like, we've got an opportunity here. Um, there's, there's not that much female-led SEO, like just SEO podcast. And I think this is an opportunity. Um, and I was quite passionate about it because... I wanted to like showcase other um, amazing females in the SEO community. Um, I also wanted to, I think SEO gets a bad rep for being boring. Um, that's the joke in our office anyway. Um, but yeah, and I wanted to sort of be like, no, it can actually be so, sort of fun and inspiring. And yeah, and it doesn't, it's not boring at all. Um, and yes, uh, what, and why, why else? Um, I think, well, yes, we just thought we needed, we just needed to do it. And we love to talk about SEO as well. So we thought, why don't we put together a podcast? And yeah, as, have I explained it enough there? Yeah. It's kind of like what, what I think is interesting about SEO podcasts, if, if clients or if, um, if you're somebody that needs SEO, if you want to know like how the SEOs talk, if you were, uh, if you wanted to be like a fly on the wall and you want to know how does an SEO talk about SEO to another SEO, um, that's one reason I, I would think to listen to Sarah's podcast as well as to ours, uh, because it's kind of what we really think when, uh, and when that sometimes comes, comes through to you as a, as a client or, um, in-house to, to whoever we're delivering the recommendations to. It's kind of um, a filtered version of that. And this is a little bit more unfiltered, I would say. Transparent, we, Transparent. I'd like to go with. <laughs> Transparency. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's just about having a bit of fun and educating people because as well, um, there's a lot of businesses, small businesses that don't have the budget to have a marketing team or hire marketing. So, there are some things that you can do like nine times out of 10, leave SEO to an SEO professional, like, so you don't want to break stuff, but there are, if we can at least be educating businesses and they can start thinking about it because there's a lot of businesses that have thought about, Oh, or they've heard of the term SEO or they know that they need to do it, but they don't really quite understand it. They don't quite get it. So we like to sort of present it in a way um, that is accessible and it's like, oh, I could do that or that makes sense to me or no, that is a priority. I, I need to prioritize this for my website. Um, and we've had some really awesome conversations um, and don't get me wrong. We do. I know I said about like getting it was a female led and wanted to showcase females, but we do invite um, males on as well. <laughs> don't worry. Um, <laughs> but we've just had amazing people on who are just the people that we get on just want to share knowledge or share their experiences. And that is so priceless in this industry. Um, like we've had, um, so today I actually um, recorded a podcast with a lady, Claire Carlisle, who helps her thing is helping small businesses grow by making the most out of local SEO. Um, and it was just like, so just having a conversation about the possibilities of local SEO and Google My Business pages and stuff. We spoke to Carrie Rose, who um, is awesome at, she's a creative SEO agency. And their thing is about getting links by doing awesome creative content. And some of the things that like talking to her was just amazing as well. We've had um, Sophie Colley on, who, um, talk to us about search listening so the idea behind not getting caught up on keywords and search volumes but more what is it what is it that people are like wanting to know about what are the topics sort of thing um and writing content that sort of answers those questions we've also had a lady on who talked about um gamification and how uh, how that can help with links to your site and another way of creating really good content. Um, and then we had the lady, Maylee King, who came on, who gave top, obviously, site speed, page speed is a big factor with SEO. And she came on with like, so she wrote for Search Engine Watch uh, a piece with practical tips and tools to how to do it. So 
we're all about like inviting people on to talk about stuff um and we don't sometimes it's just me and hannah who uh, will debate stuff so for example we'll debate the um ongoing debate of what's better long short long or short content sort of thing um we'll talk about internal linking uh, we'll talk about competitive research so it's a bit of a generalist podcast where we just discuss stuff and yeah basically that's awesome um so I'm kind of lucky that uh, I came in on season two because Jacob really did a lot of the <laughs> getting things off the ground and, and and just starting from zero, right? So I got I got to come in and um, all that stuff was already set. So that that was you know easy for me, of course, because it was easy to say yes because <clears throat> I didn't have to do all that groundwork. So what were some of the the things that like learning and challenges that you had from just like starting the podcast from zero and and getting it to where it is now? Getting listeners. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not going to lie. So a lot of, so you put, so obviously we had this brain wave and maybe we, we may have had a few wines when we're like, oh my God, this is an amazing idea. <laughs> we're going to get loads of listens on our first episode. And it doesn't like, and it took some time. I mean, um, we're a year on now and we've reached, I think we've just reached 7,000 total downloads. Um, and we get, I don't know, uh, this is me being really transparent and I don't know about your guys' numbers, but, um, millions, millions and millions, <laughs> millions and millions, same here. Uh, no, we get around 150 to about 300 people like, ep- like per episode sort of thing. Um, and, and it has been hard to grow it. And at first it is just your mum listening and every episode my mum would like WhatsApp me like, oh, great podcast there. I don't know what you're quite talking about, but you sounded wonderful. Um, but yeah, and so, um, it was, it was hard, but, um, we just put the time and effort into it and you do like, you do have to think a bit outside the box of how to get your podcast underneath people so I spent plenty an evening just on LinkedIn messaging people about the podcast or um, another way was like inviting people with a uh, who who already have a following to come on because then you're like okay uh, um, and that has helped I think um, peak some of our numbers Um, we recently did some um, research so we um, did research based around local SEO where we were talking to those who market local businesses and we wanted to understand like day-to-day activities and challenges um so we did a survey I have paid as well like I did some paid advertising um so yes getting listeners is hard especially at the beginning and but if I I believe that if your podcast is entertaining educational people are going to, and just not shit, basically, people are going to want to listen um, and stuff. And other challenges is, so obviously um, it is a side hustle. So you have to factor in, okay, when like recording, editing, um, there's the research that goes in, there's the um, sort of talking to your guests when they're going to come on. So there is a lot, at first I was a bit naive and I was like, oh, it'd be easy. It won't take much time at all. Just sit in front of a microphone, do a bit of talking and jobs are good. And I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It takes a lot more than just that. And I'm, and it's the same, I'm I'm guessing you guys can relate to that. Like the the work. I I mean, I go, I go to iTunes all the time or the podcast app now. And just type in SEO and I've been waiting for us to, to show up there in the, in the top, you know, 50 at least. Um, and, and I think it's new to me in, in the SEO side of things, right? Because it's working on Google, working on, you know, just search engines in general um, for a while. Now trying to like get a podcast to rank in a podcast app. Um, it's not, you know, is I, I'm still learning, right? And we still haven't cracked that not to, there's some I think there's one podcast that has like three episodes, but it ranks like number three in the podcast app for some reason on iTunes. And it's like, why are you there? Like you haven't yeah, been updated in four years and you only put three episodes. Only one of them had to do with SEO, but yet you rank up there. So um, I'm hoping like the new podcast, how Apple's broken it out, out of iTunes now gets a better algorithm to, to update those mm. because I think some are, are trash and there's no way to really, I'm not going to negative attack another, another podcast, but at the same time, I like, I, you know, we're, we're really trying to focus on 
getting our like, hey, leave a review, you know, follow us or at least subscribe and, and things like that. To- and how awesome is it when like, so when we got our first ever review, oh my gosh, it was like champagne at the ready because um, that was that's a little bit. So when you're first doing the podcast and you, you have no idea how, pe- like how it's going really, like, yes, you can look at numbers and how many people are listening, but it's not until you get reviews or even like people reaching out saying, oh, this is an awesome podcast. I remember the first time we got an email yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, I lost I lost it because I was like, oh my God. Um, but it's like when people are saying good stuff about your podcast and that, it gives you more reason, doesn't it, to carry on. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to wrap this up. Um, be respectful of everybody's time. But we used to, we usually ask a question at the end of every podcast and um, would this is going to be the question this time. So it's usually about what kind of advice would you give? Um, we usually make it general about SEO, but I want to make it more about podcasting. Um, so what would be one piece of advice you would give someone who wanted to start a podcast um, tomorrow? You know, what, what was the first thing or the, the best piece of advice you can give them? Make sure it's a topic that you're passionate about and you really can get your teeth stuck into it and you, you're just going to live and breathe it because if you're not passionate about something, you're just not going to make it work. And yeah, um, I, that is the top. And yeah, the th- just make it, make it educational, make it fun. Don't be shit. And yeah, <laughs> Sorry, a bit sweary. I've um, already failed that. I don't even care about don't, SEO. Don't be no, shit. That's good life advice. <laughs> yeah, that's good life advice. I live by that. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I mean, yeah, and I mean, um, I would definitely recommend if you want to do a podcast, definitely do it because you just get like for this conversation right now, yeah. like, it's been amazing. And your guys' podcast in is so good. And like, I was a bit nervous when you invited me onto yours because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to really work here. <laughs> uh, we don't know what we're doing. We're just we wing it all the time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, definitely. If you want to start a podcast tomorrow, just make sure you've got a topic that you're passionate about. Um, you've got to like, um, spend a bit of time on your graphic as well. I'd say that because like, you need that to like pop, don't you? In the, um, yeah. when people are searching and yep. format as well. Like, think of a format. So we, for example, our format is um, we always have a feature at, at the end to make it like fun and it's normally Hannah testing me on like my general knowledge which I have none of <laughs> sort of thing uh, but yeah I mean I think I gave more than one bit of advice there sorry that's good bonus bonus material yeah exactly. awesome I'd love to I want to thank you for coming on to the show it's been great um we've really enjoyed the conversation I was uh typing to Jake I was like I could talk to people from the UK all day oh. <laughs> I just love it. But uh, um, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. And everyone else, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but have happy holidays. Yeah, it's going to be be coming out in a few weeks. Uh, We're trying, we've had some scheduling snafus. We're trying to space out the the episodes. So we're recording three episodes in one uh, week. But uh, nonetheless, go and uh, connect with Sarah. Go find her podcast. Listen, listen, listen. And Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Page 2 Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to more episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Additionally, you can also listen to our show on our new YouTube channel. If you'd like to become a sponsor or would like to be interviewed, get in touch with us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing. <laughs>